Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Well, once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. It's been a great day so far. And I really appreciate you making a special effort to be here. As Tyler already said, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we extend a very special greeting to you. Today's the fifth and final installment of the You Asked For It series. Only this time around, we included a little mini-series in with the main series, and we called it Spiritual Warfare. And here's the truth about spiritual warfare. Once you become a believer, you're in it. As a Christian or as a believer, you don't have to go looking for trouble. Trouble or opposition will come looking for you. And I say it that way not to alarm you or to fill you with fear, but just so that you're aware of it. So that you know and understand that as a Christian, we face a daily battle. You see, once you declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, once you surrender your heart to Him, a couple of things automatically happen. The very first thing that happens, and this is the really great news, when you say Jesus is my Lord, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you know who the Lamb is? The Lamb is Jesus. So your name is written in Jesus' book. And that means that when this life is over, you get to spend an eternity with him forever and ever. How does that sound? An eternity with God the Father. We're all anticipating that and looking forward to that. And that truth in and of itself makes any amount of trouble or suffering that we endure worth it. Making sure your name is in that book is the single greatest mission that you have here on planet Earth. I'm going to say that one more time. Making sure your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life is extremely important. And if you're here this morning and you're not sure, if you're not 100% confident and positive that your name is in that book, then you come and see me after the service this morning and I'll make sure that you know how you can do that. I'd be happy to lead you in that, and you can take care of that business today. So again, the minute you get saved, from the time that you say that Jesus is my Lord, your name is logged into the Lamb's Book of Life. And right around that same time, you become a target of the enemy. That's right, the devil puts a great big bullseye on your back and his intention is to oppose and to hinder, to discourage and prevent you from making any forward progress in your faith. You see, the devil knows that he can't ever erase your name from the book. He can't take your name out of God's book. He cannot mess with your eternity. But he can rob you of your faith, steal away your joy and your peace, and in so doing, make your life miserable. And so following salvation, the devil is always going to initiate some spiritual warfare. However, we have been given powerful weapons against him. 
And now I'm talking about the full armor of God. Everything that we need to stand strong in the faith, to resist the devil and overcome him. We have been given those weapons from God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 says, the weapons that we fight with, what do we do with these weapons? The weapons we fight with, they're not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. And with this divine power that God has given to us, we can demolish strongholds. Now, about a month ago, when I first looked at the subject of spiritual warfare, I decided to teach it in two installments. And today is part two, and I told you it would be coming. Now, I'm sorry I don't have time for a lengthy review today. If this subject is of interest to you, then I'm highly going to recommend that you check out the podcast from two weeks ago on Sunday, March the 17th. You can find that podcast on our website. All right, 2 Corinthians 10.4, the verse that I just referenced. It tells us that God has not left us defenseless against the enemy, but he's given us powerful and tremendous spiritual weapons of warfare. And one of the best weapons that we have, a, a very important weapon that we have, is spiritual discernment. Say that. Spiritual discernment. With discernment that God provides for us and gives to us, this is not something that we get on our own because we've been Christians for a long time or because we've been through a lot. We have a lot of experiences. But with a discernment that can only come from God, he gives it to us, we can learn to recognize the signs when the enemy is attacking us, when we're in this warfare and maybe even a little bit more intensified than normal. And two weeks ago, in the first installment of the spiritual warfare part, I gave you seven signs, seven signs that will help you know when you're under spiritual attack. Let me refresh your memory. They're right up here on the screen. Overwhelming feelings of discouragement. Not just a little unhappiness, but I mean down in the dumps, living there. That comes from the enemy. Ongoing friction in your relationships, especially in your family or in your marriage. Just not being able to resolve the issues. Increased temptations, being bombarded with temptation after temptation, and especially in the area of some past victories. Number four, apathy or disinterest toward the spiritual disciplines or the things of God. Number five, being consumed with worry, where your mind goes to worst case scenario all the time, just can't seem to shake yourself free from worry. That comes from the enemy's attack. Number six, being weighed down with guilt, shame and condemnation just completely consuming you, not able to get much victory. And then finally, number seven, having trouble sleeping. And I told you all of these different strategies of the enemy, every single one of them can trip us up spiritually and they can neutralize our faith. They can prevent us from going forward in God. And so once the devil comes knocking on your door and once you recognize or identify one of these seven signs or any other signs that lets you know that the devil is on your case, what are you supposed to do? How are we supposed to maintain our victory in God and get to a place where we are on top of things spiritually and we are pursuing God with all of the strength and all of the might that he's given to us?
Well, as you know, I'm prepared to answer those questions today, only I want to do it a little differently. Instead of giving you a textbook response or something that looks really good on paper, you know, a, a message that's clever and comprehensive, what I'd like to do this morning is just speak to you from my heart. And I want to tell you the things that I do when I sense that darkness and evil is all around me. And please don't think that just because I'm a pastor that I have an advantage over you or that God has put me in some kind of a little protective bubble. Little protective bubbles don't exist. No one is exempt from the warfare that the enemy initiates. We all have to recognize that we have an enemy, that he wants to discourage us and to defeat us, but we have been given weapons by God to fight against him. So right up front and out of the starting gate, I mean the very first step, I want to impress upon you that I cannot overstate when you find yourself under attack, when you're attempting to live the Christian life, I cannot overstate the importance of personal prayer, Bible study, and church attendance. Friends, these are the staples in the life of every victorious believer. They have to happen. Now, do you need to pray and read your Bible in order to stay saved? No. I didn't want anybody to say yes. You don't have to. Do you have to attend church and sign up for a life group in order to keep your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? The answer is no. But you do have to pray. And you do have to spend some time in God's Word. And you do have to connect with the church. If you want to defeat the darkness in your life and maintain a vital and a passionate faith in God. I'm going to say that again. You do have to pray. And you do have to spend time in God's word. And you do have to attend church if you want to defeat the darkness and maintain a passionate faith in God. Without those elements or disciplines merged into your life, it is nearly impossible to stay in the fight. And please believe me when I tell you, and again, I don't say this to alarm you, we just have to know when it comes to faith, we're in a fight. James warns us and tells us that we have to contend for our faith. Do you know what that word contend means? It means to fight for it, especially today. Paul the Apostle, at the end of his life, he was able to say, what? I fought a good fight. I was in the battle all the way to the end. I did not give up. We have to realize each and every day that we have an enemy and we're in a battle. Now in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, Paul says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes or against spiritual attacks. For our struggle, our fight, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God 
so that when the day of evil comes, and it's here, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Friends, this is how we prepare ourselves for battle. This is how we stay spiritually sharp and in the fight. And in this passage, you will notice numerous references to prayer and to Bible study, the Word of God. These are all extremely important. And so when we're under attack, we have to realize our our relationship with God and our commitment to praying and to seeking His Word in our lives. It is extremely important. Okay, so in addition to the spiritual disciplines... When we find ourselves under attack and the enemy comes knocking on our door, what are we supposed to do? Well, the very first thing that I do when I sense that the enemy is hounding me and he's just making it known to me that I'm not going to be able to do much with my faith and that he wants me to accept that and he wants to discourage me and lie to me, the very first thing that I do is I take a step toward God. Say that. Take a step toward God. And I take that step toward God even when I think I'm in the zone spiritually. Because a lot of times what happens is we think we're right with God and we think that we're in the sweet spot in our relationship with God and everything's going good. And so what happens is we just stay in the same place. When I'm under attack, no matter where I'm at, I make a move in the direction toward God, certainly not away from God, and not in a neutral place. Now, that might sound like a no-brainer to you, but you would be surprised at the number of good Christian people who come under attack and they try to gut it out on their own instead of drawing from the grace and the strength that God provides for us. So many people just stay in the same place and they kind of protect themselves and let the enemy rain down on them without ever taking a step toward God, without ever making any movement in a direction toward God to, to seek God's help and his strength. In Ephesians chapter 6, the passage we just read, Paul introduces to us the spiritual warfare battle by saying, in verse 10, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. As strong and confident and spiritually experienced as you think you might be, You cannot take the devil on by yourself. So many Christians try to do this. They get themselves in a little bit of trouble and the enemy starts attacking and they just don't know how to leverage 
the power and the strength that God provides for us. We are no match for principalities and powers who have been doing this for a long, long time, and they're good at their evil. Only when we employ the strength of God and the power of God will we be able to stand strong. If we don't, the enemy will have the upper hand. We need God's backing in everything that we do. Are you understanding this? If not, the enemy will, he'll win. And if you don't believe me, just ask the seven sons of Sceva. That's right, the seven sons of Sceva. There's stories in the Bible. You can find it in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19. These seven guys, they saw the apostle Paul exercising some power and authority over the devil. I mean, they actually saw him go toe-to-toe with the devil and win. So they figured they'd give it a try. Looked pretty good to them. But they didn't know that Paul was operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and that he had put his armor on. He was prepared for battle. He was ready. He was not depending upon himself. So when they tried it on their own, when they emulated what they saw Paul doing, guess what happened? Yeah, I'm sorry to say they got their behinds kicked. All seven of them. I'm not the least bit ashamed to say to you that when the enemy comes uh, after me, when he's, when he's running to, trying to run me down, I run in the opposite direction. I run to the presence of God. That's where I make a beeline for. Because in God's presence, there's safety. There's protection. Your life will change in God's presence. Your attitude will change. Your outlook on life will change. If you can get to the place of God's presence, instead of trying to defend yourself and take the situation in hand by yourself. This past week, I sensed that the enemy was on my case lying to me, discouraging me, and it forced me to get away alone with God for about 40 minutes, and I listened to the same worship song about nine or 10 times over and over again. Something changes when you do that. You get victory in your heart. You focus in on God and not the attack, and it's extremely important. And sometimes when I take a step toward God, God whispers to me. And God reminds me that once again, I'm trying to handle faith on my own. I'm trying to do it in the power of my own strength. I'm trying to draw from my experiences and from past faith and from what I know. And when you do that, you become vulnerable to the enemy. And sometimes you can open the door uh, for attack. And the enemy doesn't miss many opportunities to exploit our weaknesses. And please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm not saying that every time you're under attack it's because you opened a door. I'm simply saying we have to get better at leveraging God's power and God's authority in our lives, drawing from his strength, recognizing that without him, we're not going to be strong against the enemy. All right, so when I discern attack, I take a step toward God. And the second thing that I do is I try to shut out 
or shut down the lies of the devil. I try to dispel and stop the lies of the devil. Because here's what I've learned after battling the devil for over 40 years. 40 years engaged in spiritual warfare with the devil. Here's what I've learned. That whenever the devil has targeted you, whenever the enemy has determined to engage you in spiritual warfare, the very first thing that he will do to you is lie to you. The devil will lie to you. Please believe me when I tell you he will lie through his teeth. In the Gospel of John, John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus identified lying as the devil's native language. Jesus said, not only is Satan a liar, he's the father of all lies. Do you understand that? He's the patriarch. He is the protector of everything that is not true. The devil is a pathological liar. He's shameless at it. But he's good. In fact, he's so good at telling lies, he can make them sound believable. How else do you think he got Judas to stab Jesus in the back? Three and a half years of watching Jesus move in the power and the authority of God, healing people, raising people from the dead, casting out devils. And yet, Satan got Judas to not only sell Jesus out, but betray him with a kiss. A kiss. Can you go any lower than that? You see, the devil entered into the heart of Satan, and we know uh, into the heart of Judas, and we know that because the Bible tells us that. And he was effectively able to convince Judas to believe his lies and at the same time to disbelieve what Jesus was saying. And I'm going to tell you that again. The devil was effectively able to get Judas, to convince Judas to believe his lies and at the same time disbelieve what Jesus was saying. And this is a strategy that Satan employs on a regular basis. He has found it to be very effective among believers, getting us to believe his lies and disbelieve the truth of God's word. Take Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, for instance. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 is a passage that you hear me quote all the time. It says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. How many of you know Romans 8? How many of you love Romans 8? How many of you have memorized Romans 8? Romans 8 is a tremendous promise from the word of God. It tells us that in Christ Jesus, because of what he's done for us, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no condemnation. And yet tell me what happens 
When we make a mistake, when we really blow it, do something stupid, something that we shouldn't have done, you get on the other side of that indiscretion and the devil starts lying to you, telling you no good, that you're, you're going to always be a failure, you're never going to get victory in that area of your life, that God's mad at you and that he, he begins to just wear you down with guilt. What do we normally do? We believe his lie and we disbelieve the truth of God's word. It's what we do. And the devil's good at it. And I know that because I have painfully watched believers get filled with shame and guilt and become stopped spiritually dead in their tracks. I mean, stripped of their faith, stripped of their confidence in God. Believing a lie. And when we go through tests and trials, and when we face discouraging things, which happens a lot in life, the devil's always there, rapid fire, one right after the other, lie after lie after lie, that God doesn't care, and that God doesn't understand, and that God doesn't know, and that God can't heal, and his promises aren't true. Lie, 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 lie. And I was so blessed this morning by the word that came forth that God does know and God does see and God does care and you matter. But the enemy would never allow you to understand that or to believe that. Remember our verse in 2 Corinthians 10.4? The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Well, there's another verse in that same chapter. There's 2 Corinthians 10, 5. And verse 5 says, some of these strongholds we need to demolish are lies. Arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we need to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so when the enemy comes to lie, and the enemy tries To discourage you from believing God's word, you have to be willing to dispel that lie and not lock into it. Okay, so when I'm under attack, take a step toward God, try to stop the lies of the enemy. And finally, number three, I call for reinforcements. I try to get some outside help or some outside support. I have prayer warriors and intercessors that I can contact at any time of the day or night and ask them to pray for me, and they will pray and intercede on my behalf, no questions asked. All I have to do is tell them that I feel the enemy's on my case, he's on the prowl, and he's discouraging me, and immediately they go to prayer. I need this. We all need this. In addition to the spiritual help and support, when I'm struggling with a life issue, I have men in my life that I can go to, that I can confide in, and I can get advice from. Men that I respect, men that are trustworthy, men that have uh, wisdom and experience. We all need people like this in our lives. We all need some people that we can go to, that we can call in the tough times and know that they'll respond to us. Being able to receive outside support when we're in trouble is extremely important. 
It's something that we have to do. And I'm so thankful that I have these people that I can rely on. And I'm not telling you that you have to tell all the glory details to people. You know, spill your guts to everyone. No, I'm simply suggesting that you take the time to forge and to develop some relationships, solid spiritual relationships with people that you know you can count on. People that you know will support you and hold your confidence. You see, that's why we spend so much time and make such a big deal about life group signups. You can get the exact kind of support that I'm talking about right now through our life group ministry. In fact, I hear all the time, especially when people are in crisis, that they don't know what they would do if they didn't have their life group family. It's just an opportunity for relationships to be made, to do life with other people, and to know that you can count on the support of others. When you belong to a church community like this one, and I was so blessed by what Tyler said earlier, we make it a top priority to be able to minister to your needs, to be available to support you in every way in life. And our staff wants to help you. Our staff is available to serve you. In fact, a lot of our staff meetings these days are discussions and conversations about how we can get better at this. How we can make sure that we identify when you have need and be there for you. I don't know why people think they have to do life all by themselves. You don't. You don't have to walk through the storms of life alone. God is with you. And so are we. And so let me give these to you one more time. In the first installment of this series, I gave you the seven signs of spiritual attack. There are more. Those are not the only ones. But when you identify and discern that the enemy's lurking, crouching at your door, I suggest you take a step toward God. Leverage his power, his grace, his strength. Don't try to walk all by yourself. Secondly, shut down the lies of the enemy and draw from the truth of God's word. And third, get some outside support. There are people who would love nothing more than to lift you in prayer and encourage you and to be there for you. Okay, let's bow our heads for prayer. In just a few minutes, I want to talk to you who might be experiencing or dealing with some ongoing spiritual warfare. So if that's you right now, if you are in the midst of spiritual warfare, I want to talk to you in just a few moments. But before I do that, I just feel impressed to address this whole issue of the Lamb's Book of Life. I made reference to it a few minutes ago uh, during the first part of my message. I said to you that when you make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can go ahead and bow your heads. This is not teaching. This is just appealing to you. When you make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you lock into the gospel message. The Bible tells us that your name is entered into the Lamb's Book of Life. And when you die... Last time I checked, we all die. We all come to the end of our lives. The promise 
that God gives to us in his word is that if your name is in that book, you will spend an eternity with God forever and ever. On the other hand, if your name is not in that book, the Bible says, I don't say, the Bible says that you will spend an eternity apart from God in a dreadful place, a place that you don't want to be. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to offer you the opportunity to make sure your name is in that book. And instead of having you come and talk to me at the end of the service, I'm going to talk to you right now. I'm amazed sometimes at how God works. How in just a moment of time he can intersect your life and change you. It happened to me some 40 years ago. When God is speaking, when the Holy Spirit is present and there's some conviction power, things change for all eternity. I believe that that moment is here for some of you today. And I don't think it's an accident that you're here. I think that God got you here. The way that you get your name in the Lamb's Book of Life is to come to the cross of Jesus Christ. It's to hear the gospel message that he died for your sin, that he was buried, but he didn't stay dead. Three days after he was buried, he rose to life again. And when he did that, he broke the powers of darkness, the very subject matter that we've been talking about all morning, and he overcame death, hell, and the grave. And he asks you to believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you do that, when you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible tells us you'll be saved. You'll have this gift of salvation. And so I'm wondering if there's anyone here who's not sure whether your name is in that book or not, but you'd like to take that step, come to the cross, confess your sins, repent of your resistance to God and surrender your life to him. If there's anyone here, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, hold it up for a second, and we're going to get your name in that book today. Anyone at all, raise your hand. Thank you. Any other name? Any other hands? Any other hands? Thank you. I see two. You can put them down. Any others? Father, we thank you. We thank you for moving among us here this morning. We thank you, Lord. You're the God who saves us. You're the God who comes into our lives and you change us from the inside out. You transform us. And Lord, we do repent of our sins. We do come before you, a holy God. And we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sins. Your, your word says that when we confess our faults, we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive them and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We pray, Lord God, that you would accept our confession. And we thank you, Lord, for the miracle of salvation. Okay, for those of you who might be fighting some spiritual warfare today, and you just can't get freedom. I mean, you've been in it. You know the enemy's there. Uh, maybe there was one or more signs that the enemy is, is attacking you. 
then here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I'm going to ask you to do one of the three suggestions that I made. Either to take a step toward God and to say, Lord, I've been trying to do this in my own strength and it's not working. I need your power. I need your might in my life. Lord, I move towards you. Next, I'm going to ask you to maybe identify a lie of the enemy, something that has been on your mind and you just can't get free from. You've got to stop that lie. You've got to shut it down. You've got to dispel the lie and replace it with the truth of God's word. Or maybe for you, you need to call somebody. You need to get some outside help. The church is available. We have elders. We have ministers that are available. There, there are people not even on the staff, volunteers that we have that would be more than happy to help you. So get some help. I encourage you to make a decision to do one of those three things. And Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for giving us what we need to not only stand strong in this life, to not only defend ourselves, but to go on the offensive and be victorious. Lord, we want to be that group. We want to be the church that is living at the top place, full of joy and full of peace, knowing who we are in God, having confidence, having faith. And Lord, we fight for that. We contend for that. And I pray, Lord God, that you would lift us to another place today, that today would be our day of visitation. And I'm asking, Lord, for you to do that in the power of your own name. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.